situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans bomb pro harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my win been a lot of emphasis on the successful season that Geno Smith has had as quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. And there's no question, he is a, a kind of leapfrog that uh, journeyman backup mantra. But I still look at him as a backup quarterback that's succeeding in the NFL as a starter. And I'll explain to you why. There are quarterbacks that spend a lot of years behind a better quarterback and maybe because of that situation, they may be one of the best 32 in the league. But because of a, being a victim of circumstance, they may not get the opportunity to start and play. And it doesn't mean that they that's all they ever were. And then what Geno Smith obviously is proving is that he is one of the best 32 in the NFL. And there shouldn't be a quarterback controversy in Seattle. All that talk this offseason has Seattle should have gotten Baker Mayfield how they should have made a trade for a quarterback, how they should um, tank so they could get one of uh, the top college quarterbacks coming into this year. I'm going to talk about college quarterbacks from last year in the draft in a minute. But when it comes down to Geno, he's taken advantage of his opportunity. Obviously, he's played well. Yada, yada, yada. A bunch of shit that you probably heard already. Not relevant to this conversation. But when I think of top backup quarterbacks in the NFL, I think of Earl Morrill. I think of... Uh, Craig Morton, I think of Steve Young. And a lot of people say, well, Steve Young's a Hall of Famer. How are you going to call him a backup quarterback? Now, once again, similar to what Geno Smith is going through this year. And I'm certainly not going to say that Geno Smith is ever or will ever be on the level of Steve Young. But there was a long time where Steve Young was the backup quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers playing behind Joe Montana. And nobody really knew that Steve Young was certainly one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL or 30 or 29 or however many teams they had back then. And then Steve Young, of course, gets his opportunity to play. You knew at some point he was going to be the starter, kind of like Aaron Rodgers taking over for uh, Brett Favre, kind of like uh, Tom Brady very quickly taking over for Drew Bledsoe. You know, you have that moment whether it's the first year or two or a couple years where it takes to develop, where star and eventual Hall of Fame and all-time quarterbacks spend time behind an incumbent starter. But I look at this and I say the amount of years that Geno Smith has spent as the backup quarterback to Russell Wilson and Seattle. I think it's obviously great that he's succeeded through this, but you know, I, I think of other backup quarterbacks that are kind of waiting in the wings. And one of my most important points that I've made in regards to quarterbacks in the NFL has been the fact that the guys that are starting for each one of these 32 respective teams may not necessarily be the best in the sport. They may not necessarily be the best 32 to play at a position. There are teams that have talented backup quarterbacks that probably could start for somebody else. And I think Geno Smith is just proving my point. I think of Jeff Hostetler. I think of Nick Foles. And Hostetler, if you forgot, um, obviously you know he led the Giants in the playoffs to the Super Bowl over the Buffalo Bills. But it was mostly that defense. It was mostly Otis Anderson and Giants running game. But because of that, 
he had a secondary career, not as a backup, but as a starter for teams like Washington and Los Angeles. So he ended up playing for the Raiders, playing for the, at the time, Redskins as their starter because of his success in the Super Bowl. Nick Foles got a contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars because he led the Eagles to a Super Bowl, even though he was Carson Wentz's backup. How does that you know, explain you know, the difference in Geno Smith? Well, I think he's, he's learned that offense in Seattle. I think he's matured a lot, both uh, personally and professionally. Uh, I think he knows how to run that offense. Him and Pete Carroll have a close relationship, and I'm glad that that's working out. I wanted to slide into jockocracy talk. And if you look at the guy that's on the pillow right behind me, um, if you look at my room, you see you know several of his pictures up. The broadcaster that I look up to, that I would hope that I could someday become, but I don't feel like I could shine his shoes. And that's Howard Cosell. One of his most famous comments had to do with the change in sports broadcasting, the quote-unquote jockocracy that players of sports that happen to play in that game all of a sudden are given this opportunity to broadcast without broadcasting experience. And how does that apply to the state of the NFL right now? Of course, there is a lot of criticism going Jeff Saturday's way, but I think most importantly, Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Irsay's way. Irsay didn't like the system that existed in Indianapolis with the Colts. He felt like there was too much analytics. Um, maybe liked Frank Wright, maybe didn't like Frank Wright, but he felt that there was too many numbers controlling the system as opposed to the players on the football field playing harder and better than the opposition. And that's paraphrasing his take, but the bottom line is he... Um, is behind the decision to first bench Matt Ryan and then to fire coach Frank Reich. And then it's his personal decision, not Chris Ballard's, not anybody else in the Indianapolis organization, general manager Chris Ballard, for those of you that don't know. But it was Jim Irsay's decision to bring in Jeff Saturday. Now we look at Jeff Saturday, and if, if you hear a lot of the garbage and the uh, regurgitated uh, fodder, that goes throughout sports programming, whether it's television or radio, a lot of it is on the take of Jeff Saturday, no experience. Not factoring in that he played, what, you know, several seasons in the NFL at an elite level as the center for the Indianapolis Colts. He knows the organization number two. So he's played in the league, and he is uh, played in the city. So he knows the Colts. He knows the organization. Now, does it mean he's going to succeed as an NFL head coach? No. But a lot of the backlash is saying, hey, you're basically taking a guy out of the ESPN broadcast booth and putting him behind the sidelines to lead the Indianapolis Colts. And guess who is saying this? A bunch of former athletes that wouldn't have gotten a broadcasting job if they didn't play in a league like the National Football League. So the same people that are saying, well, you know, Jeff Saturday, you're pulling him out of the booth. Is he necessarily an experienced head coach? Well, you should look at yourself in a mirror and say, hey, how did I get the job that I have? When there's so many people that went to broadcasting school that have worked on speech, that understand vernacular and a way to speak and a way not to speak, 
that are being passed over by athletes that played a particular sport. And I don't think it's fair to call out the ones that aren't as good because I think time will go by. I mean, there's some Hall of Famers or elite type of players that are going to get jobs saying whatever they want. They don't have to be good broadcasters. They got the job because of their name. You know, and I, I'm not going to call out their names because it's not respectful to them. You know, if I was in that situation, I'd take advantage of it too. But the bottom line is, I don't feel that there is any right to knock Jeff Saturday's lack of pro football coaching experience. Especially when it's coming from an athlete that wouldn't got, have gotten a job in broadcasting if they didn't play. Jeff Saturday was hired as the coach of the Indianapolis Colts because he played. You, John Q., former pro football player that's yakking it up on ESPN or any other network, got your job as a broadcaster in a yap mouth because what? You played. Not because you had any experience broadcasting. Not because you came from some prestigious broadcasting school with whatever education and ability to speak. You got the job because you played. The same reason that Jeff Saturday got the job as the Indianapolis Colts head coach. couple quick things. Receivers in the past draft. Christian Watson, Green Bay Packers, taking a lot of heat. He hasn't been able to really coordinate with Aaron Rodgers. Things haven't worked out so well. The Packers sitting there on a 4-7 and seven season when a lot was expected out of them. A lot of heat going Aaron Rodgers' way. Christian Watson, last two games, five touchdown catches. It seems like there is a little bit of a connection now between him and Aaron Rodgers. Traylon Burks, receiver, Tennessee Titans, 117 receiving yards. Remember, he was out for four weeks on the IR with an injury. He is back. You're looking at a couple receivers that really haven't gotten off to good starts or haven't put up good numbers to this point. Uh, maybe by the end of the season, from a fantasy perspective, they're going to become more locks for next season. You know it's not going to be locks in regards to this past year's draft when it comes to teams and uh, uh, you and I, John Q. Public, and their fantasy football teams next year. That's quarterbacks that were taken in this past year's draft. And I've spoken about this before because I think it is um, a point to kind of double down on. This past draft in the NFL was probably one of the weakest when it came to quarterbacks, perhaps in the history of the sport, maybe not ever. And I continue to double down on this point that five years from now, I'll even say four years from now, but I'll go five years just to get myself that extra year. I will give you a list of the nine quarterbacks that were taken in this past year's draft. And I vow that none of them will be a starter in the NFL at this point five years from now. Will maybe one of them be hanging around as a backup? Maybe learning a little bit? Maybe we forgot who they were, but somebody will remind you, well, hey, they're on their so-and-so's practice squad, or they're the backup for somebody else, but they haven't gotten a lot of PT. And that means Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. And you've heard my take on this where I felt very strongly that there should not have been a quarterback taken in the first round of the NFL draft this past year. And the reason that I knew that there was going to be a quarterback taken at some point in the draft, you know, in the first round, is because the overemphasis on the need 
four quarterbacks to play in this league. Now, if you happen to be a quarterback in college, you're going to get a lot of attention. You're going to get a lot of teams that are going to watch your video. They're going to watch your your pro days, your workouts, your everything that you do, the combine. And they're going to try to envision their dream scenario as far as you leading their squad going on. And what does a college quarterback that has never played in the NFL have that everybody loves it's the fact they haven't seen him before. You heard me earlier talking about the backup quarterback in the NFL. And backup quarterbacks are so popular because they very seldom get into games. They're not going out there during you know, the grind, getting their butts kicked week in and week out, where we see it and we criticize them. The backup quarterback's standing on the sideline holding a clipboard, and they we seem like they're we think they're a lot better than they really are. And if you look at these quarterbacks that were taken in the draft last year, none of them, in my opinion, possessed the ability to be a QB1. Kenny Pickett, I understand the reason that the Steelers needed to take a quarterback. Big Ben retired. Mitch Trubisky, I, I get it. Mason Rudolph, I'm not really looking to, to have those guys lead the team going forward. Uh, obviously, the tragic death and passing of Dwayne Haskins. Do you have need at the position if you're Pittsburgh? Yes. Was there a player that's going to be a franchise quarterback for the next 10, 15 years? The absolute answer is no. And Kenny Pickett, if he's a backup quarterback for the Steelers or somebody else five years from now, I'd be surprised, but I'd take it. But I'll add to the list. Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Bradley Zappi, Sam Howell, Chris Odelkin, Skylar Thompson, and Brock Purdy. Those were the nine quarterbacks that were selected in the NFL draft this past year. Most of them ain't going to be in the NFL in five years. Malik Willis, can he be somebody's backup? Can he have gotten a chance to start maybe in Tennessee or somewhere else? Maybe. Same thing with Desmond Ritter. Same thing with Matt Corral. Now, Matt Corral's in an interesting situation because Carolina took a quarterback. They're given P.J. Walker or have given P.J. Walker a little bit of P.T. Baker Mayfield's there, and you don't make a trade for Baker Mayfield if you're not going to give him a chance to play at all. And then there's Sam Darnold there. So you're talking about a situation in a team that's got four quarterbacks. I don't know. Maybe if all of them fail, maybe if the Panthers continue to lose, You'll look at Matt Coral down the road and see him get an opportunity there. I don't know. I don't know from an opportunity standpoint if he's going to get a chance to even play over there. I don't think he's going to be in the league in five years. Sam Howell, Washington, Taylor Heineke, uh, Carson Wentz, you know, the commanders in their organization. Obviously, you know the, the dirt and the shit that's going on with the, with the owner. The other owners are maybe colluding together to try to get him out of the sport. Maybe it's best for the commanders and their future for Daniel Snyder to be out of there. Completely different topic, doesn't matter. Sam Howell is going to be beloved by the Washington football fan right now because he hasn't played. Um, Taylor Heineke, maybe you'll like him a little more than Carson Wentz because he's led the team to a couple wins. But at some point, you know, the pixie dust is going to come off and Taylor Heineke is going to be really what he is in the NFL. Pretty much a backup quarterback. 
Carson Wentz, since that MVP-type season that he had going on with Philadelphia, has not been at that level since. He's been decent. In fact, last year with the Indianapolis Colts, I thought he performed much better collectively over the course of the 17-game season than he got credit for. Bad game against Jacksonville, bad loss to end the season, and I understand why Irsay is pissed off and they move on from Carson Wentz. But... You know, that'll be interesting to see if Howell gets a chance at some point. He will. But the bottom line is you're looking, you're not looking at C.J. Strouds out there. You're not looking at, you know, elite, top NFL quarterback talents that existed from the draft last year. And I just read off those nine names. Hopefully the PBS is still alive. Hopefully I'm alive in four or five years. And if I am, I'd like to hammer this point home that none of these nine quarterbacks are going to be starters in the NFL in five years, and very likely all nine of them will be out of the league. So I'm going to start a new segment when it comes to the PBS. This is the point of the program where I know nobody's listening, and we're going to intro it. So obviously this is the point of the program where we know nobody is watching. And this is where I, I'll get a little uh, prediction when it comes to baseball free agency. And it's not so much of a prediction. You're actually hearing talks that Brandon Nimmo is a free agent and maybe it's a two-team race between the Blue Jays and the Mets. And the Blue Jays seem to get their guy in these type of situations, but we'll see. You know, the Mets have the owner with the most money in the sport. And if they really value their player, I think you know they could end up bringing the outfielder back. And this is something that I would guess if I'm doing a show next Saturday, um, it's the player that's probably going to be off the free agent board. You heard me talk last week about Aaron Judge and an unspoken about destination that I think will make a lot of sense. I don't think he's going there, but I thought the Orioles would be a great fit for Aaron Judge. And certainly would be a team that could give him a 10-year contract and maybe get in the way of Hal Steinbrenner and how he wants to curtail the amount of money that Aaron Judge is going to earn. Detroit Tigers. New general manager, Scott Harris. I think he is uh, interested in turning that club around sooner rather than later. I think there's talk that there could be a little bit of spending going on there. A.J. Hinch has sat in there as the manager for the last couple of years. Uh, obviously a World Series champion with the Houston Astros. The expectation is that Detroit is going to be looking to fix things a little bit sooner. And one of the things that they need some help with, a little bit of depth in their offense. Maybe somebody that could get on base. Somebody that could be a little bit of a spark plug. But most importantly, somebody that could bring a lot of positive energy and be a little bit of a nuisance to the opposition. If you're the Detroit Tigers, and let's say you're a team in EAL Central or any team going into Detroit to the Motor City and playing the Tigers over the course of a three, four game series, you you want to have you want to have somebody in that lineup that you're like, man, that dude's a pain in the ass. And I think Brandon Nimmo checks the box for every last one of these. You could say yes, there's several teams in Major League Baseball that would be a great fit for Brandon Nimmo, but I think it's up. It, a team like Detroit can get incrementally better. 
And I think they could improve more with the acquisition of Brandon Nimmo, pretty similar to what I said about Aaron Judge last week. Sometimes it's one player that can make that much of a difference to help a team go from here to here. The Blue Jays with Brandon Nimmo, sure, the expectations are still going to be high. They should be expected to win the AL East. They should be expected to be certainly one of the three wildcard teams if they don't win the AL East. Their pitching is strong. They got a deep roster. This is a team that should be in a position to advance deep enough to be considered either the AL champion or a World Series champion. And that's going to still be there regardless of what they do this offseason. Brandon Nimmo doesn't change that. I feel the same way with the Mets. If Brandon Nimmo ends up signing somewhere else, I think they're going to go to free agency or maybe to trade market and find somebody solid to replace him. And the expectations for the New York Mets should be the same. I look at the Tigers, a weak division in the AL Central. I got a feeling that the White Sox are coming back down to earth. Even though Dylan Cease, we didn't really talk about how great of a season he had. Nola Russa there. Maybe a little bit more comfort in the locker room as far as the manager being able to relate to his players. Jose Abreu probably leaving in free agency. Maybe that team takes a step down or a step back. Are we believing in the Guardians again? Because they won the division last year, are they automatically back? Yeah, it's a good team. I don't know how much they're going to add to their team. A lot of it's going to come from within. The Royals, I think, are a little bit away. A lot of people will say the same thing about the Twins. Some success last year. They got Jose Barrios. They have some talent there. They just traded Gio Urshela to the Angels. And then you look at the Tigers. Is it an opportunity for the Tigers to go from being a second division team, a team at the bottom of the AL Central, to all of a sudden becoming a contender? I think Brandon Nimmo allows that to happen. If anybody's interested, you can check out the Passball Show on YouTube, on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music. We'll be back with you next week for another edition of the Past Ball Show, brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion, food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all, or a majority of it, to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude there are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told.
you damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.